Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. where you're at. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome again to all of you watching online. Uh, Today, it's expected uh, by people that pastors will really focus on uh, the birth of Christ, and we'll do that a little bit today. But I want to really focus a little bit on our response to the birth of Christ. Uh, when you meet Jesus, you come to be a believer and to know Him, things begin to shift in the way you think. Now, they don't always shift in the way you behave, but they certainly shift in the way you think. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we begin to move our thinking, and as we move our thinking, it oftentimes moves our behavior, hopefully. It should. Now, in other words, when you get born again, you it's like you all, all of a sudden overnight grow a conscience, or you have an awareness that you, you didn't have prior to receiving Christ. That awareness is not to condemn us, but to bless us through change in how we live and how we think and all the things that we do. So in a moment, we'll go to Scripture, but I want to talk about this. This thought came to me this morning that we we do have social norms, we have religious norms, we have family norms, things that that would be called normal norms to us and so when God sent his son into this world he began to challenge the norms let's talk about religious norms for a moment in in the Old Testament everybody all of Israel and and people who religious looked to the law the law the Ten Commandments became the norm the requirement for people who were going to follow God And when Jesus came, the law was no longer the norm or the standard. Jesus said, love will now be the norm. Love will now be the standard. Many people in that day when Christ came, it wasn't that they had a problem with Jesus. They had a problem with what Jesus represented. Many people today don't have a problem with Jesus, the person, the King, the Savior. They have a problem with the norms and the standards that came with Him. So now, all of a sudden, we can no longer measure people or judge people by their behavior because we all behave wrong. But now we have this new thing called love, and it's the filter by which everything we see, live, hear, breathe, follows, or follows through that or flows through that filter of love. And, and that change, anytime there's change, anytime <clears throat> something new happens, we're challenged. If you are not challenged, 
you're not living a life that is changed or around changed people who are forcing you to rethink your life. Most of the time when someone challenges us, we get mad at them. We think that they're attacking the norms or standards of our lives when all they're really doing is living a standard that we're not comfortable with. So when God sent Jesus 2,000 years ago or so to come into the world as a, an innocent child, think about this. Before Jesus could ever walk or talk, he challenged the standard and norms of that day. Kings wanted him dead because just the, the prophetic words that were spoken prior to him coming into the world, they believed those words, and it irritated them that the standards were going to shift in the manger that day. Social norms. Let's talk about those for a moment. All of a sudden, Jesus would represent that Israel would no longer be the only group of people or body of people that he would love. He would now love the Gentiles. And we know that the Jews didn't like the Gentiles, so that social norm was going to shift. And that made them mad. And it still makes some of them mad that now all people would be accepted by God. And you may remember Jesus at the well talking to Samaritan. That was unheard of. That didn't happen. It was a social norm that they did not talk to the Samaritans. And so all of a sudden Jesus said, well, I'm going to break that norm. We still have challenges with that. Now, I love what God has allowed me to be a part of. There was a day that you didn't see back in my day. My grandmother and my, my uh, grandfather were Cherokee. My, uh, on my, my dad's side, my mother's side were German. But the Trail of Tears, when, when the, um, the American Indian was being driven across America and mistreated and all of that was happening, that uh, my, my grandmother was not as much Cherokee as my grandfather. So... She didn't sign the role because at that time it was not acceptable for a, a partially white woman to marry a Cherokee Indian. I'm going to get right up in the business today. It was a social norm. And, and even back when we were growing up, you rarely would see uh, an African-American and a white woman or a Cuban. In my case, my son-in-law is full Cuban-Colombian. My daughter-in-law is African-American. I love what God is doing. God's saying, those norms are ridiculous. I love all of you. It's only the color of your skin, not the content of your heart. And that's what you've been looking at. Jesus changed the content of our hearts. Social norms have been broken. And some people still have not accepted those. And I find that very hard to believe because Jesus was saying, the law is no longer what you worship. You worship the love. And God is love. So in that manger, Jesus was, if you will, wrecking norms that were wrecking people's worlds. And I'm so grateful that he's still doing that. We focused on the wrong things. We've been looking at the wrong things. We've been looking to the wrong things to lead us and guide us. The law was something that we couldn't live up to. And God knew that, so he sends Jesus and Bible says he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so you see this time of year, there is, is definitely the spirit of Christmas, but we call him the Holy Spirit. 
that people begin to look at things differently. And we realize we've made mountains out of molehills, as my mama used to say. That the things that we once thought were extremely important, the norms that we embraced, were killing us. And God said, I don't want this for you. I want, I want to abolish all of the, the things in your heart. Not the law, but the, the things in your heart that are keeping you from experiencing the love that I have for you. The tragedy in our world today is that, to me, we call it racism. We call it a lot of different things. It's, it's really a matter of the heart. We've not embraced what happened 2,000 years ago. When Jesus said, I've come to no longer just be the God of Israel, but I'm going to be the God of all people. Every race, every tribe, every tongue, I'm going to be that God. And that has shifted. And I've watched things. And, and I don't think that we have truly looked at things as broad as we need to look at them. Yeah, there's still evil in the world and conflict based on the color of someone's skin. But the reality is, I think more and more people are understanding that that's not what's important. What's important is that we love all people. And to me, this time of year, I want to use this moment for us to recognize that God is still shattering norms. You know, there was a day that in church, if you did an upbeat song like we did earlier, that people would just freak out and the pastor would be fired and the board of demons, I mean deacons, would be in trouble. Why? Because we embrace norms. This is not how we do things. This is not how we've always done things. I think sometimes God wants us to do things we've never done to see how we'll respond to the things we've never done. When I was about to get married, my grandmother was legally blind, the Cherokee side. So when I was introducing her to my would-be spouse... Out of her mouth, my grandmother goes, is she an Indian or a white woman? You see, I mean, it wasn't any ill will. It was just tradition that, that that's how it worked, you know. And I had to explain to Grandma. But that was how she was brought up. That was the world in which she lived. And it wasn't that she was mean. It's just that there was a standard or a norm that she was adjusted to. And, and I had to burst her bubble. She didn't get mad at me, but I could tell it was different. Who would ask that question? So the joy of life now is, for me, that every time I feel challenged by something or somebody, rather than getting angry at the person, I ask myself the question, what am I hanging on to that I ought to let go of? And God literally broke the rules, if you will, of mankind in Luke chapter 1. And we read it pretty much every year. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, you know, it's interesting because that the word virgin here is used because God's wanting to say, I'm about to do something that has never been done. He didn't say, you know, Joseph's going to marry Mary. You, you never hear somebody say, you know, 
that somebody's betrothed to virgin so-and-so. I'm just going out there today. But God said, I have a purpose for making it clear that she's never been with a man. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I mean, think about it. This is a teen pregnancy about to happen right here. I mean, this is not something, and when I say teen pregnancy, she's not been married yet. She's not married, and, and the angel's preparing her for what's about to happen because this norm is about to be shattered. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne, uh, give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, when we read the Bible, we oftentimes get excited about, wouldn't that be cool? But put yourself just for a moment in Mary's place. How does a teenager explain to anybody, much less your mom and dad, Hey, uh, I just had a visitation from an angel. Got to tell you, that's not how you walk in. It's coming. And guess what? I'm going to be knocked. I'm pregnant. Now, there ain't a mom and dad on earth. First off, they're going to have her drug tested. What are you on? What are you saying? What are you doing? This is a holy encounter, but it broke the norm. To me, Christianity is due for a transformation. We are living in a day where I don't think I've ever seen a generation gap greater than I see right now. Now, we used to call it that back in the hippie movement, Woodstock. There was a generation gap. Our parents didn't get double-knit polyester bell-bottoms. You wore those in my dad's neighborhood, and you're going to get beat up. But when those were introduced into the world, it created this gap between uh, the baby builders and baby boomers and all of a sudden. But now we have this generation gap that is not about clothing and attire and dress and hair. This is about religion, Christianity, and faith. We have a generation of young people that said, you know, the standards by which you've lived your life are not biblical and many of them were not and did not and do not have biblical support. And they're done. They're done because what they have come to realize is what you and I created traditionally and we established as norms had no biblical foundation or little biblical foundation. Not all, but some of the things that we have made are out to be a God really had nothing to do with God. We haven't addressed the issues we need to address. All I remember back in the day was, and you hear me say this all the time, was the things you don't do. That we had no foundation for. The things you don't do. 
I never heard pastors talk about don't gossip, don't be unkind, don't be mean. It was just don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew. And I know some people who do. And they're nicer than a lot of Christians who go around gossiping, backstabbing, and doing all the things that are destroying people's soul. Those are the things I want to talk about. The things that destroy people are things that go into their heart, not into their stomach. I believe Jesus had something to say about that. What are we doing? What norms have we established that, well, we're good people. We don't do the following things. Well, is that what makes you good? Or is that just because you have a norm or a standard that you deem good, but there's no foundation for it? Now, the reason I'm doing this today is because we all are about to face for the next week, because Christmas is no longer a day, it's becoming a month. And people are celebrating all different times. And by the way, let me burst your bubble. Jesus was not born December 25th. (laughs) Just for the record. And now that just blew some of your norms right out of the water. You're going to go Google it. It's a day that we celebrate. We pick the day. We celebrate the day. And that's okay. But, you know, I grew up believing Jesus actually was born on December 25th. A standard or a norm that had no biblical foundation or substance whatsoever. I like the idea of having Christmas every day. Minus the gifts, of course. Because when you're old, you have kids, they don't buy you squat. It's like when you have kids, your, birth, your Christmas and birthday's all over and done. You might get a, a, a sketch picture of a stick man, I love you, Dad. And you go, oh, that's great. No, I can't do anything with that. Give me money. <laughs> it's a tough time. Mary's relative, Elizabeth, is who she is directed to go see. She can go see her mama. I'm going to go see Elizabeth. Well, that broke a norm, too. But God had a reason for her going to see Elizabeth because she's pregnant with John. And that she needed that word from her. So God is instructing her. So she's already breaking the norm. She's a teenager, and she didn't go say, hey, mom, I'm pregnant. She goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth tells her she's pregnant as well so Joseph is apparently broke he didn't have much money to get in there was no room in the end there had to be room somewhere but you got to pay for it a lot of norms were blasted when Jesus was born so first question is <clears throat> what do you expect from God The real challenge is, at this moment, Mary is all alone. She's having this encounter with an angel without her husband-to-be, and now she has to figure out a way to tell him, and she has to, because he could have have removed her, he could have walked away, it would have been perfectly understandable according to the social norms, religious norms of that day. So... I guess where I'm going with this is saying, you know, what are you going to do this week or Christmas Day that might be different than something you've done in Christmas's past? 
And I know what some of you are thinking. We do the same thing every year. It's tradition. Well, the traditions of men nullify the Word of God. That's in the Bible. Cleanliness next to godliness is not in the Bible. And if you are of any age at all, you heard that more than you can count. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That was your mama's way of keeping you clean. There was no truth to that whatsoever. I know a lot of dirty people who love God. It gets better at 11. You might want to stick around. This is just a test run. Thank you. Here's the challenge. Don't trade in what you do know about God for what you don't know about God. Don't trade in what you do know. Because everybody will try to talk you out of what you don't know or what you do know to get you to know something that they want you to know. But there's, there are things you know about God, and there are things you don't know about God. There are things I know about God. There are things I don't know about God. And for some reason, people think pastors have all the answers and preachers have all the There are things I just don't have an answer to, and I'm not afraid to tell you anymore. I don't have an answer, but I do have an opinion. But that's all it is. Because over time, your theology and your theological norms will change based on your personal needs. You don't believe in miracles until you need one. There are religious people who say miracles are not for today, and then they get cancer, and all of a sudden they believe in miracles. Now, I'm not being critical of that. I'm just simply saying crisis challenges how we've thought and how we think. That's what crises do. They challenge the norms of our lives. Instead of saying, I'm going to be open to whatever God... See, Mary, evidently God saw that Mary would be open to something that maybe somebody older or somebody more uh, traditional wouldn't believe. But he approaches her knowing that Mary's response is going to be the response necessary for God to fulfill the promise. Here's what I love about this little teenage girl. She didn't go ask everybody what she should do. What, what do you think I ought to do? Listen, she had heard from God. When you know what God has instructed you to do, do it. I was just talking to my friend here over here, Jim, and just before church, and, and these are the kinds of, this is the way God works. And, and it, it's, it'll make you cry when you think about it. There are, and I've had the same thing happen where I'm going somewhere and I'm driving there, and I don't know why I'm going there. Any of you ever done that? And, and some of you go, yeah, but I was drunk. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I mean, God, when God starts leading you, and you, you, it's almost like your car takes over, and he, he's in Yukon driving to a Brahms he never goes to. Never goes. And he's like, why am I going here? I never go to this. So he's sitting in his car, and this lady walks out, and, and make a long story short, nine children, ten and under, walking with her. And you could tell they didn't have money. And in that moment, he knew why he was there. You see, when you get born again, because he paid for the meals, and a lady saw him, the lady that 
he was buying meals for didn't see that he was going to pay. So he goes up and pays while she's getting the kids in a booth after she ordered. He goes and pays. A lady sitting in the booth next to him begins to weep. Could not believe that somebody went and did that. But see, when God is the Lord of your life, you go places you don't typically go. You do things you don't typically think about doing because you're breaking the norm of, well, this is what I always do. This is the Brahms I always go to. This is the restaurant I'm always going. Sometimes God's speaking to you and you deny him not because you're mean and evil, but because the norm or the standard of your life, you've been doing the same thing over and over again and God forbid that you change it. It's time for this holiday season for you to start looking and saying, God, if there's something different you want me to do, then just show me what it is. God may put somebody on your heart that you cannot get off of your mind, and he's telling you to do something for them, but you don't like them. And God's saying, I want to heal you, so here's how I'm going to heal you. You're going to do something nice for them. But they're, they're, they're tacky, they're mean, they're unkind. All that is is a defense mechanism on their part to keep from getting hurt. They don't dislike you. They don't like themselves. And God said, I want you to break the wall down. And the way you do that is by breaking the norms that they have put up, the standards they have put up to keep you out and everybody else out. See, Christmas to me every year is a challenge. And I like the challenge. Because I know that God is moving throughout the earth to challenge what we've done all year long how we've lived our lives. And I'm not talking about heaven and hell, whether you're going to heaven or whether you're going to hell. That's not what this is about. We make everything in life about heaven and hell. And that's, it. that's really pretty easy to determine whether someone's going to heaven or hell. Now, I don't get to determine that. I get to determine it for myself. But I'm just saying, if you've called on the name of the Lord, you're going to heaven no matter who likes it. It's just not that difficult. And, and I know that religious people get mad at me when I say that, but I grew up in a religious world where I never knew if I was going to heaven or hell or not. It was like playing bingo or the lottery. I didn't know if God, I, you know, scratch and sniff, whatever. I don't know. Then I realized that my heart was given to Jesus. My heart's desire was to follow Jesus and to live for Jesus. But the norms, the religious norms that I grew up in told me, you're not good enough. It's never going to happen. You've done too much wrong. You do too much wrong. Well, you know, and I was at the altar every week for the first three years I got born again. And I was applauded for being at the altar. I'm God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'd leave and then Monday would roll around and I was living like the devil again. So next Sunday, I was back up at the altar, weeping and crying before God. See, that was the norm. The standard was, you're never good enough. Your righteousness is like you're a worm. And, and I, I just thought, how can I do this? And I, so finally, I broke out of that religious norm, started going to a church that was different than my family had ever gone to their whole life. They thought I was going to hell because I was going to a different church, a different abomination. I mean, a diff different denomination. Oh, he's surely going to hell. Because I'm telling you, 
the assembly of God didn't believe the Baptists were going to heaven, and Church of Christ knew Nazarenes weren't, and Methodists knew that Lutherans were way off course. And God helped the Catholics. They were out in a boat all by themselves. We had everybody going to hell. Matter of fact, I mean, we were all just going to hell. That was the norm of that day. Religious norm was everybody's, that we're the only ones going to be in heaven because we pray in tongues and nobody else does. You Baptists won't even know how to talk to God because you have no tongues. And so you separated yourself from other denominations and other believers because the norm for your family was this is how we serve God and this is how everybody ought to serve God. And if you don't serve God this way, you don't stand a chance. I got some news for y'all. There are going to be some Catholics up there. I'm telling you, Protestants have beat the Catholics up long enough. I'm telling you right now, I've met some fine born-again Catholic people. And, and I know I, there, there are always this argument about Mary, and they worship Mary. And, and you don't know the first thing about Catholicism. That's what's really funny, is people who talk about them don't know anything about it. I'm being tacky. But it's all right. Sometimes you've got to break the norm. Some things that seem abnormal or dysfunctional to us are very functional in the sight of God. The disciples see Jesus talking to a woman at the well, and they're freaked out. Number one, it wasn't just that she was a Samaritan woman. Number one was she was a woman. And Jesus is at the well alone with the woman. They're like, what's up with this? See, Jesus shattered norms. He went into tax gatherers' home that were, that were thieves, and he ate with them. He was always being judged because that's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Not because he was this guy that complied with everything going on in the world. As a matter of fact, he came to change everything that was going on in the world. We had created gods and norms and function, things that, that were not even biblical. And Jesus had to come and try to straighten it all out. And guess what? Here we are thousands of years later, still not straightened out. You've determined whether someone's a good person or a bad person based on how they respond to you. You don't know if they're good or bad. You just don't like them. And that means they're bad. Well, since when did you get a throne and a crown? We're called to love people. Period. Stupid people, nice people, critical people, people who do dumb things, people who do things we don't do. I'd never do that. No, but you talk about them, which is as bad as what they're doing. It's always funny to me. People talk about people who judge. Well, if you're talking about people who judge, you're judging too. <laughs> well, they're judgmental. Well, that makes you judgmental too because you're judging how they're judging. just easier to just love people if people are mean to you smile it'll freak them out because that means means not working on you when you're nice to mean people they don't know what to do when you won't argue with argument argumentative people they don't know what to do because it takes two people to argue sometimes you just need to shut up 
I have learned this, and I was way too old when I did. I would have had a blissful life in my 30s if I had known what I know now. But no, everything was a fight. When you're 30s, you're trying to prove everybody else wrong. That way you can be right, but you're not right because you're trying to be right, and that makes it wrong to try to be right. You probably need medication to understand that one. So what do you expect from yourself? That's the very first thing you need to ask. Mary didn't go around asking everybody else, what do you expect, what do you think? She said, this is between me and God. If we took things to God before we took the things happening to other people, we'd be far better off. Take things to God. And then before you, what do you expect from others? Miracles from God supersede proper protocol. Don't expect everybody to get on board with what you're doing. And you don't need everybody on. Mary didn't need everybody else to go, oh, we're so happy for you. She didn't need everybody else's approval. She knew what God was saying to do, and she just did it. Anything could have happened. There were no guarantees from anybody that things were going to turn out well. The only thing she knew was, this is what the angel said, and she said, then be it done unto me according to your word. Listen. If we had that attitude, every time somebody says something, just simply say, I hope it's done unto me according to the Word of God. Whatever God wants is what I want. It is a wonderful life when we can trust God. It's great to love God, but what I have found, it is so powerful to trust God. There are a lot of people who love God. But I don't find that many people that trust God. And I was one of those up till just years, several years ago where I, I realized I love God with everything, heart, soul, mind, strength. I, I could tell you how much I love God. I could tell other people how much I love God. But when it really came down to it, I put a lot more effort into things that I didn't need to put effort into. All I needed to do, I mean, Mary didn't go like, I'm going to get pregnant. I got to get pregnant. And then, you know, she could have also had this in mind. Why don't I just go ahead and sleep with Joseph, and then that way, maybe there's a greater chance I'll get pregnant. She had to trust the Holy Spirit that what he said was going to happen, and she could have tried to make it happen, and that's what we do sometimes. God says, I'll make it happen. You say, well, let me give you a little hand. And God's not asking for your hand. He's asking for your heart. Trust me. Trust me. Resist the nudge to judge. Don't judge those who judge you. Well, I know that one all too well. Because I have been judged for the last eight years, specifically. And I've had to determine I'm not going to judge those who judge me. It's just not worth the fight. And you know what? I'm looking at 2022, and I'm going to fight this fight, and we're going to overcome the, the downside of the pandemic, and we're going to see a move of God in our nation like we have never seen. You say, how do I know? Because I believe in my heart, and I don't even need your approval. If you're not going to be a part of it, God will bring people who will. It's time for you to start telling your friends about church and get back in church and come to Mosaic. It's a church that will love you, have mercy towards you, and grace for you. This is a place to, we quit inviting. Notice people just don't invite people to church that much anymore. It's like, well, you know, we just do our thing. You know what? Just break the norm. So, well, I've never done that before. Break the norm. Not something you would normally do. Break the norm. 
Most people don't come to church because of great advertising, marketing. They come to church because they have a friend or somebody they know. Still, 80-plus percent of people who will go to church will go because they were invited by a friend. We could have marketing campaigns. We could have buildings. We could have lights. And people might be interested, and those might attract them, but the reality is most people are going to come because they've been invited to come. And those of you sitting at home need to get off your couch, get out of your bed, and get in church. I'm not even going to be nice in 2022 about that. You know, let me tell you, the best coaches I ever played for were not coaches who asked me to do great things. They demanded I do great things. Oh, come on, could you maybe throw the ball a little better, a little more accurate? No. We had one coach that carried a broom, and every time we got stupid, hit us in the head helmet with a broom. Now, he'd go to prison today. But back in the day, that was it. I mean, he'd walk around that broom, and if you did, he'd, he'd, he'd slap you upside the head in, that, in the helmet. And let me tell you, if you've ever been hit with a broom handle in a helmet, it's like an explosion in your head. And you knew you did not want that again. Now, I know that that's just not something our precious new little generation's all about. You can't even raise your voice to a kid nowadays without going to prison. That's the reason we got, anyway. You can do it in love. I think he loved us. He just loved us with a broom handle. See, we're just too soft. We, Jesus challenged people. He called Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed sepulchers, you snakes. Who would do that, Jesus? He said, I'm going to break the norm. I'm going to challenge the norm. I love you too much for you to stay the way you are. I challenge you. And I challenge all of you watching online that have been watching online and you've used the pandemic as an excuse to stay home. Get off your butt and get to church. And you never said but growing up. And you may be offended, but I'm breaking the norm. Now listen to me. We have the greatest opportunity to see a move of God. One of the greatest in a long time. Maybe since Azusa Street, we need a move of God. And it's not going to happen if we're sitting on our hands. It's not going to happen singing Kumbaya. This is warfare. This is a battle. And I am not going to quit until the day I draw my last breath and then I'm going to heaven. And y'all can have this mess. I am not going away. I am worse than COVID-19. I am here to stay. And you cannot vaccinate your way out of me. <laughs> I'm going to stick to you like that disease. I'm sure that will be misinterpreted. What do you expect of yourself? What do you expect of others? And what do you expect of God? Mary expected God to be God. I expect God to be God. We've got to quit looking around at all the mess going on because this is a distraction. It's a distraction. It's all it is. It's a distraction. 
He said, but people are dying. People have been dying for thousands of years from different things. People have been dying. We're focusing on death instead of life. I'm not minimizing losses and the pain and sorrow of those losses. I'm not. But I am saying this. Life must go on. You cannot live your life hanging on to death. Live it to the full. You still have life in you. Live the life in you. Stand up. Rise up. Speak up. Step up. Do whatever it takes as you look at 2022. Let's not be passive about our faith. Let's break the norm of I go to church because we've always gone to church. I want to go to heaven because my family's going to heaven and I want to see them again. No, I want to bring heaven to earth. I want to break bankrupt hell. I want to destroy the devil's plan. I want to have a blueprint for destruction that people will not go to hell. And the only way we get them there is to show them a love that is very real. Break the standard of the norm. Not tell them what to wear, what to say, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke. Stop. Just love people. The Holy Spirit will take it from there. You are not the Holy Spirit. I am not the Holy Spirit. Our job is to love people. That's what God sent Jesus to do. He so loved the world that he sent his son. He wasn't so mad at the world. He wasn't judging the world. He didn't say, I don't like what's going on. He said, I want the right things to go on. I want people to know me. And I want to have a relationship. I know this is not your standard little Christmas message. I'm not your standard little Christmas pastor. Put that in your pipe. At least you'll be talking about this this week. You know. You're not going to forget something that was said, I promise. I've said enough provocative things for you to be mad for a week if you're religious. And therein was the goal. Well, Merry Christmas. Always think of home alone. You filthy rat. I want you all to have a good one. I really do. But I'm just going to tell you, God's going to shake your cage a little bit. The things that have been norms and traditions and standards that you have abided by, God may challenge those. What are you going to do? Mary said, be it done unto me, God, according to your word. God, whatever's different, I'm okay with it. I don't worship a day. I worship my Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son through the womb of a virgin so that we would have a pure, unblemished Savior. Whether you go to heaven or not doesn't depend on your family, someone else. It depends on your choice to say yes to Christ. You say, how do I do that? Because probably like you, I didn't really know. When I was young, all I knew was try to be good, try to be good. I tried to be good, and I couldn't be good enough. And I was not satisfied because I was not good enough.
And it wasn't until I heard the message that if I called on the name of the Lord, I could be saved, that I got saved. It's not about how good you are. It's about how great God is. And when you put your faith in a great and mighty God, He'll get you to where you need to go. Never quit. Never let a religious person tell you, you can't do that and be saved. You can't do that and go to heaven. You can't say that and go to heaven because that's what religious people do. They're going to tell you everything you can't do. They're going to talk about you. They're not going to talk about God. I want to talk about God. God in you is the hope of glory. And He will never leave you and He will never forsake you regardless of where you're going, what you're doing, who you are. I know religious people hate this. But listen to me. God loves you. And if you will call on His name, that love will become real to you. So pray this, pray this with me, everyone you in-house in and all of you watching online. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you sent your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, please text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. SAVED will send it to the right location. So just text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see your name pop up in our text in church. And we'll be praying for you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.